329 days. That's how long it's been. Woohoo. Since what, Nathan? USF football won a game. 329 days. So I'm trying to think of the games since uh, we lost at Houston. I was there. Mm-hmm. It did not go well. We lost at Tulane. I left. First game I've left early since McNeese. Yep. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, not close. Temple. Temple, close, and we blew it. Should have had it. Just poorly coached, UCF. poorly managed. Never never in it, never a chance. Marshall. R.I.P. McKenzie, I hope you're okay. Uh, Marshall, I mean, did, I don't, anybody, was it, did anybody, like, I was there, and I was bouncing around because I was doing, like, bowl game stuff and hanging out with friends stuff, but, like, did anybody really, like, lock in and, like, watch that game intently for, like, because we all knew we were going to hold a new roster next year anyway. Marshall did. I got a full quarter in before I started just fading. Yeah. Um, the Marshall fan that was sitting next to Heath, uh, he was he was locked in. He was locked in. Yeah, he was locked were in. Were there any USF loving. fans locked in? I was uh, sitting with some Marshall fans for like the first half, and they yeah. were locked in. Yeah. Um, no. Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, and now we're here. We beat South Long- Carolina. State. State. <laughs> Long time coming. Uh, this is the Illuminati podcast presented by Matrix Hormones. Colin. Matrix hormones. So um, again, we've talked about how um, Dr. Eddie Leonard and his staff have put together a full business that is both friendly, but um, we haven't actually read from their webpage before, which is matrixhormones.com. Again, if you'd like to call them, 813-333-2226. Again, that's 813-333-2226. Three field goals, three safeties, one touchdown, no PAT. Um, But what Matrix Hormones can do is revive your vitality, find the balance your body needs to operate at its best with personalized hormone therapy treatments. Hormone therapy can help you improve your quality of life, increase your energy and mood, boost your libido, and help you lose weight. And as somebody with a broken foot right now who can't work out and is like packing on the pounds left and right. Yeah, that's why you can't work out. Yeah, I I literally, I can't run, I can't bike, I can't do anything. It freaking sucks. And I can just feel like I was fat anyway, and now I'm just getting extra super duper fat, and I really hate it. Um, So I'm probably going to need to get some matrix hormones here myself as soon as, uh, as soon as I get this thing fixed, but hormonal imbalances impact men and women in many ways, uh, from anxiety to depression, to low sex drive and weight gain to loss of muscle mass and chronic fatigue. The effect of imbalanced hormones can wreak havoc on the body, but there is a solution. Personalized hormone therapy plans can bring your body back to performing at its best. I think you'll find that these prices are very, very reasonable to get you uh, back up and going. Some people have it uh, able to be covered by their health care and their health insurance policy, but give them a call. Um, 813-333-2226 or reach out to them at matrixhormones.com and make sure you tell them that you found out about Matrix Hormones on the Illuminati podcast. Four-star hotels at two-star prices. The unofficial official sponsor of the Blue Night podcast. <laughs> yeah, shout out. Shout out, Cedric, uh, for hooking us up with mics. Um, we're going to be trying something tomorrow that should post maybe Friday. H-O-T-W-I-R-E, hotwire.com. So be on the lookout for that. So can you put a jersey on and a block? Oof. Damn, dog. That's no, harsh, man. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, I think they test for that. <laughs> Actually, there are, yes, there are products here that will fail you in NCAA truck test. That's for sure. What about you will not be able I, to play in the bowl game. I mean, if you're Golden Tate, you could probably just claim that you're uh, trying to get your wife pregnant and maybe that'll be all right. Mm. Any Daniel Jones. Oh, Lord. oh Jesus. 
that train wreck of a football game on Sunday is going to be amazing. Um, so the Bulls beat South Carolina State 55-16. Uh, honestly, wasn't as close as score indicated. Uh, a lot of garbage yards for South Carolina State. Um, first two drives by new starting quarterback Jordan McLeod. Didn't get off to a great start. I think they ran six plays for negative 12 yards. Uh, but that third drive, things started to click, found uh, uh, Johnny Ford behind the defense on a great, I think it was a post, um, for a touchdown. And it kind of started rolling. You could feel uh, there's just a different energy. I was sitting in the stands with my wife and daughter, and there was just a, a different energy in, in the stands, at least when uh, Jordan trotted out. And, uh, you know, if you listened to the podcast last week, you kind of knew this was going to happen. Um, we... Heavily, heavily, heavily hinted that Jordan McLeod was going to start um, because we were what would you say like between ninety-seven and ninety-nine percent sure, but didn't want to go all the way. Yeah, I, and then I there was say. a rumor going around when we were out in the parking lot, and actually I discussed this with some senior USF staff because we had heard before the kick that maybe we were all wrong and that it was going to be Barnett. But always remember, well. I am always right. Yeah, except for when you say you shouldn't go for two at Georgia Tech. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> Holy um, shit, really? But the uh, <laughs> I, I am say. always right. I've got something You've, for you on that. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, we'll get we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, so um, I do want to. Uh, so I, we had heard that, but it turns out that that the reason that rumor just started filtering through the parking lot, and somebody was actually about to report it, and did not thank God. Uh, was not from us, by the way. So we were never going to back off. Of Absolutely that. not. We were never backing off of that. But um, it was because as they were running the screens um, to test before the game in the stadium, the scoreboard was showing the starters. Blake Barnett was listed in the starting package on the video boards as the starter. If you looked on the card that was in the press box before the game, Blake Barnett was listed as the starter. So anybody who had made that report would have done so with information directly from the University of South Florida Athletic Department, um, which should be a good source of where to get that information. Okay, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Theoretically. And the depth chart did show the change on the offensive line, too. So it wasn't like it was totally like... Right. They didn't take it from last week. They they changed They moved Atterbury to right guard. They put Jennings at left tackle. Like, they did all that stuff, but they did not change the quarterback. And in the pregame, as the video is going pregame, it still should burn. Uh... Johnny Ford was shown as a starter in week one. We know he didn't play. Um, Never trust the video boards. Just trust us. (laughs) Never trust USF athletics. Never. (laughs) Do not do that. You will be burned. And uh, so I tweeted out the, the video boards and I made sure to clarify that he was the announced starter on the video boards. Not that the, he was going to actually be the one trotting out there on the first drive. I had some people hop into my mentions with freezing cold takes, old takes exposed when I was merely pointing out who was announced on the video boards. But I, I mean, we all kind of, we all, I think we all kind of knew Jordan was going to be the starter. It 97 was just, to 99% sure. It was just, I, I think some people were dragging their feet, uh, making a final decision on it two hours before the game. That, mm. That's the theory. Um, spoke to Charlie Strong on Monday at his uh, teleconference. And he was like, uh, the people who knew the people who needed to know knew. Um, we talked to we talked to Jordan and Blake beforehand. Um, 
But hey, Charlie, keep bitching about the fact that media doesn't show up at your media days, doesn't show up for your press conferences, doesn't show up at your practices when you just give them when you just give them false information and lie to them all the time anyway. But yeah, that's totally fine and okay. Dude, I'm sorry, this pisses me off. He didn't lie. Where no, did he I'm lie? not saying he lied. But like, don't put out false information and then say the people who needed to know knew and all that kind of stuff. And then when you put out that this kid's the starter on your video boards, on your charts, on everything, when you're okay, if we're gonna be real. Uh, I mean, who cares? Honest to God, who cares who's announced on the video board when? Because maybe it shows twenty five percent of the the stands are the, full. The degenerate gambler wants accurate starting lineup. Then the, just <laughs> read and listen to the, the Daily Stampede. But the just, point is, is that they bitch about people not showing up to press conferences and things. And when you get lied to left and right, and they don't tell you things that they know are true, then why should media show up? So like, strike that balance. That's all I'm saying. I understand you want to hide things because of competitive advantage, and boy, you really need to hide your starting quarterback against South. Carolina State that if that's where your program's at in year three you got bigger problems but uh, if you're going to do that then don't complain that the media doesn't come to stuff and that they don't support you and all that kind of because you put yourself in that position when you you know play these kind of games I don't think that's unfair you disagree kind of yeah okay. I mean yeah. I mean that's fine I, I can understand from the media perspective because we you know this is what we do that we want to know but they don't have to tell us anything but there's no need for them to tell us a thing about their game plan or who's starting who isn't starting but then don't put the wrong information out there when it's that's my problem is that they put the wrong i mean when it was printed it could have been it hadn't been decided yet which there's is still the same pla- excuses. there's still plausible deniability there but there's always the commu- the- that's how players that end up on travel rosters that aren't even on the plane plausible deniability i'm just saying that they should be more forthright about this kind of stuff i mean when there becomes like a universal uh injury report and they have to start you know defining that weekly then yeah but until then we're just gonna have to continue to use our uh pretty finely tuned hashtag sauces yeah hashtag sauces sauce we're that's just what we're gonna have to do and that's perfectly fine because uh i think in the last three years We've gotten pretty damn good at it. Last three years. We were good before that too, buddy. Before you got here, we were still pretty good at it. um, (laughs) I'll say I took it up a notch. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. That is true. Uh, But I mean, I love me. Who do you love? Is basically what that comes down to. Um, So (laughs) back, back to the, back to the football game. (laughs) Um, So I think Jordan McLeod looked pretty good. Um, the change was necessary. The offensive line is still horrendous, even with the switches. Um, I'd anticipate more switches uh, next week for SMU. I would say I'm like 85% sure on that. So there's that. He looked comfortable. Uh, I mean, there was a few times where he kind of sat in the pocket and was able to make throws. I think it was – was it Johnny's first touchdown where he climbed the pocket? Yep. Yeah, it was uh, the – there was some kind of miscommunication or something between the center and right guard. Uh, defensive tackle got through pretty quickly. He just took a little step to the right and stepped up in the pocket and made the throw without pulling his eyes down or taking off or anything like that. So he was pretty steady like that for, throughout the night. And he, he did, when he did take off and run, he picked good times to do it. So yeah, it, was, it, it was pretty, I'd say pretty encouraging in that regard. I know on that one, when he steps up, I think Atterbury like recovers – uh, well enough to kind of push him aside. Uh, the thing that I noticed was uh, he, he still had the ball up. He still yeah. was able to be ready. Uh, a lot of people will keep the ball down, and 
then do it, but he was still like and ready they, to they throw. They drill that a ton. They drill where you're taking, dropping, and moving all over the place. At least they did. Uh, when I, I when I played for him and I saw him do it at JU, I'm assuming he's doing kind of the same stuff because they do the same pregame stuff. But that's something he drills all the time. You'll take your drop. He'll move you one step, one step this way, one step this way, maybe maybe two, and you got to be able to. He's going to say ball, and you got to get the ball out immediately. So you always have to be ready to throw, and that's something they drill every single day. Just making a small movement in the pocket and keeping the ball ready to throw at all times. So that means your feet aren't coming together. That means you're not dropping the ball like you mentioned. So that's something they rep, and he looks like he's taken those lessons uh, pretty well so so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Johnny Ford led the team, four catches, 100 yards. Um, he, had a, he had the touchdown to start things off. He had an impressive 52-yard catch where uh, – uh, Jordan kind of leads him a little bit, but he's able to tip it to himself and control it. Uh, and then Jordan takes the ball in on a, a read option a couple plays later um, that you went over in your um, story this week, Seth, where I saw it from the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the the guy he was reading and then there was going to there was supposed to be. A guy behind him, but he kind of shifted in. Yeah. He shifted too far into the middle yeah, the, to be I mean, able to recover. Thought he could like play both. And yeah, he and realize he did not realize that Jordan McLeod is athletic. Yes, and got beat to the got beat to the corner, and it was an easy touchdown. Once I saw him shifting inside, so I was like, "All right, that's a yeah. read. Jordan's keeping it." If yeah. the guy um, comes in, and the the read defender tried to play both as well. Um, he's kind of stayed home, but kept his eyes on the running back and you're not going to be able to recover from that. When we would teach the read option, it would, um, this is when I was coaching, it depended on what kind of quarterback you had. If you had a, if you had a slow quarterback, we would kind of teach just to keep it really simple. Some guys read shoulders and stuff, but to keep it super simple, we'd say, if you don't think this guy can tackle the tailback, hand it to the tailback with a guy like Jordan, you'd say, if you don't think he can tackle you, keep it. And so even though the guy didn't technically take the tailback, he's, he had no shot at tackling him. So he kept it and scored with it. And to, to Seth's point, he I mean, he I think they lined up in that play and you said, oh, they're going to run a read option here. <laughs> You're like the sitting next to Seth in the in the booth is is a treat just because like you can you can see the the wheels turning in his head calling the plays before. You know, he's, he's able to see a lot more on that. So it was it was it was a treat to to hear you kind of break it down as as you're doing it, because you still have coach speak while you're sitting in the press box. Yeah, I can't help it. It's a, it's a tough <laughs> habit. That's a pretty good habit. I'll be honest. Um, Should we put in now that tomorrow yeah, night? Tomorrow night yeah. So uh, to that point, uh, tomorrow night, we're going to try something uh, different. Um, courtesy of our microphone from our friend Cedric, we are going to, and I mean, can we say um, how we're doing the video chat capabilities there, Vito? Uh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, courtesy of Cedric, again, again, four-star hotels at two-star prices. H-O-T-W-I-R-E. Hotwire. Again, not an actual sponsor, just a really good place. It's where I got my hotel for uh, the Navy game uh, today, yesterday. Got booked that last night. Um, So we're going to try a uh, TDS film room hosted by Seth. Um, Congratulations. I think you just found out on air. (laughs) Uh, We're just going to pick your brain a little bit. Um, Just pick like two or three plays and kind of go from there. I mean, we can just watch the... 
Vito's been great at cutting up the film. So we have the offensive game film and we have the defensive game film on two different videos, um, which really helps us um, cut out the crap and kind of focus on one aspect at a time. Um, so that's going to be awesome. We're going to try to do that. We're going to stream it, record it, and somehow get it out to you guys in a way that um, is good. You know, we're, we're slightly pivoting to video. Hashtag mini pivot. It's a mini pivot. Um, you know, I think in the NBA, you're allowed to do a little mini pivot and you get two steps now. Um, so, so I, I, this is, I think this is fantastic. And this is the kind of content that, um, basically I don't think anybody else in the G five is doing anything like this. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, we continue to outkick, uh, the quality of the program that we cover P5 as we have for, <laughs> we're the best P5, the best P5 site <laughs> or group of five P5 talent in a, on a G5 team. Uh, but yeah, Barnett. yeah, but and we say all this, we're tagging in advance and watch us screw this up and not be able to make this work tomorrow. But if we can, I yeah. think it'll be pretty damn cool. I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun if we can get, get it sorted. Even if it's bad, we may still even post it just because that's <laughs> just super on brand for us. Uh, we, you know, you, you can f- try and fail, but you know, it's okay. Yeah. I was just saying we're taking a page out of the Twitch streamers playbook here, except we're not doing it live. However, if that is something you would like to see, we could try to hone our skills a bit. Oh, could you imagine us live? live? How much stuff do you oh have to God. cut out? Well, when it's a podcast, it's different, but when we're just kind of going over plays, maybe it's uh, dude, I'm here for it. I am too much of a loose cannon. That is not our brand. We, we are not good at this. Ooh, live is bad for us, bro. We, we I need it. You've editor. seen the Facebook live videos, right? Jesus. Um, so what were you, is there signs of life to this team? Um, at, from what you saw against South Carolina state, I'll leave this to the floor. Um, it, are you happy with the improvement or do you think this team can get to eight wins? Absolutely not. So there, the turnover, you got eight turnovers and you gave up none, both school records. Um, that is not sustainable. So yeah, you see 55, 16, um, but turnovers, how much, how creating turnover, how sustainable creating turnovers is, is a subject of much debate. Um, and you're probably going to create a hell of a lot more against a South Carolina state than you are against the conference schedule. I don't think that's a sustainable, um, line. I don't think this offensive line can, can do what it takes to, to get to seven or eight wins. I just, I just don't see it. Um, you can move the parts around, which they've already done, but man, I see these kids getting mauled up front and, just missing on plays and whiffing. Yeah, they make they make some plays every once in a while. They and they block they block correctly sometimes, but I don't think enough um, to get this team to like eight wins or anything like that, or to be competitive. And McLeod definitely makes them better because he covers up some of their mistakes, and I think that's good going forward. But um, I don't think it's enough. I I agree. I don't think eight wins is feasible. I think I think six wins is still feasible sure. this year. Um, I think seven is including an upset. Um, I just, I can't see, especially in the month of um, November. I just, I, I can't see it. Um, you know, it, those are four of the toughest games that we're possibly going to play. And or actually those are the four toughest games we're going to play. Yeah. And I mean, we're just not showing the the gravitational improvement on the offensive line that, I mean, things can change week in and week out, you know, lo and behold, maybe, maybe some sort of, you know, putting Josh Blanchard at a left tackle and, 
and Hopple at uh, Red Tickle. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the golden ticket. Maybe, maybe it is. We don't know. We don't have the crystal ball. We can't see into the future of how this offensive line is going to work. But to go off the the defense, I mean, the defense has been playing outstanding this year, despite what people think about that Wisconsin game. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of fight in this defense that people aren't realizing, especially with that turnover margin, because people are going to say, "Oh, it's eight turnovers against South Carolina State." You know, that's that's nothing to you know, that, that's a that's a mute point. But to make a team turn over the ball eight times, your coach said mute and <laughs> moot. It's moot. Moot. Sorry. <laughs> like you're Joey from Friends right now. It's a moot. <laughs> it's a moot point. You're saying it's it's a like moot. a child's it's opinion. It's an unspoken. Point. Yeah. Are you taking vocabulary <laughs> for granted? <laughs> I've never I've never seen Friends. So this this is all going way over my head. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm so sorry. But regardless, I mean, to get a team to turn over the ball eight times because you know every single time that I mean Seth could probably harp on this as well every single time South Carolina State turned over the ball and that coaching staff got them over in the sideline and bought them in the huddle they were saying hey don't turn the ball over next time and protect the protect ball. the ball don't make the stupid throws and we somehow managed to you know fight to get to the ball fight to create turnovers where we can, you know, we're not going to produce eight turnovers a game, but we're going to produce big plays week in and week out on that defense. They have There's, produced a turnover so far, every single game defensively. It's not eight is obviously not repeatable and you can't depend on turning somebody over eight times, but it wasn't fluky turnovers either. It wasn't like, you know, oh, it was had on ball, and ball. Like, I mean, yeah. it was, it was guys were ripping at the ball. Um, guys were stepping in front of passes. So it, it wasn't, Eight is obviously insane, but it wasn't fluky turnover stuff that's not repeatable. Uh, it's not like miss, uh, mishandling a handoff between the quarterback and the running back on like a zone read or something like that where they just drop the ball and you pick it up. So I think the defense is pretty legit. Uh, KJ Sales is a stud, like like NFL stud. He's he's uh, he's the real deal. Uh, they're, they're pretty fast. They're pretty physical. I think they're pretty well coached. Um, they do some cool stuff schematically. Um, so I think the defense is legit. I know I think they're like 34 SP plus in the country, which, you know, it's pretty good, um, especially with that first game. You know, it's pretty good to be at 34 right now. Offensively, I think the, you know, obviously the offensive line needs to play better. That's something that I think came at a good time. The bye came at a good time for that. They did play better this week, um, but I think a lot of the errors are still errors of new scheme. When they when they and when they did stuff protection wise, like they did last year, where they did like a full slide protection and brought the back off the backside, uh, like they did on the slot fade uh, throw to McDoom, the protection was pretty good because it's like I really don't have to think; I just step right, and if you come in my gap, I'm good. Now, you know, some people may be thinking, why don't they just do that all the time? Well, then now you can't get your running back out and and pass routes. So uh, Kerwin loves to get that guy out, either a free release or a check release. And if you're, if you're having him go off the backside and now you're getting your back matched up a bunch with the defensive end, probably, which isn't really what you want to do, but it can work on the quick game stuff, which is what they're using it for. Uh, but the other pass protection stuff that they didn't do last year, they're still struggling with understanding different looks. And that takes time. I know you see, um, teams all over the country kind of dealing with this Florida. I know Florida is, you know, they're top 10, but I've heard their coach speak earlier this week about the same thing. It's just, you got to see those looks in a game because they're struggling with pass protection and running the ball. 
And he says, it's not so much, you know, what they're doing. It's just, you got to get, you got to get the looks down. You got to kind of see them more often. So I think that may be probably the biggest issue. It's hard to tell against South Carolina state because they weren't ever going to really physically manhandle you, even though their defensive line is, uh, for one double team, pretty good. Um, but you were never going to lose physically. So it was more about making the mental errors. So if they can clean those up, then it becomes, okay, now I'm going to put my best guys out there physically. And I thought, uh, they played better. So if that's kind of, I think the team's obviously going to go as they go. If they continue improving, which can happen, you can start slow in the offensive line and get better as the year goes on. Um, then I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of who they're playing to tell you whether or not they can get to eight wins. Um, but I think the offensive line will prove as the season goes on, and that's when they're going to get to a little bit of tougher part of the schedule there. So hopefully those things can kind of coincide. USF S&P, uh, 114 on offense, 36 on defense, uh, 99th on special teams, which kind of surprises me because I think the kick coverage this year has been really good. They, uh, I think the, the, the Wisconsin punts. game was terrible. Is, it's, it's the yeah, most, Wisconsin it's the punt returns were bad. Yeah, um, fumbling, fumbling on special teams. The fumble, which fumble? Uh, uh, the two fumbles that Bentley Sanders had. Bentley had, on had one. They had one against. They recovered one against Wisconsin. Oh, they muffed they the muff against Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah. that'll true. bring you down a lot. And in this game, where uh, kickoffs. Oh, uh, Jacquez couple. Evans dropped the first kickoff. I think that was it. Yeah, there's another one. He wasn't quite sure to come up with. Feel this or. Yeah. So anyway, but one fourteen offense, thirty six on defense. I think this defense is you. You could compete for the league title with this defense. I think. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it. I'd like to see them play against like somebody who's not really good or really bad. Like somebody in the middle would be nice. I think SMU like someone will, like SMU. I think yeah, exactly. I think SMU will tell you a lot just because of their uh, their personnel. They're going to be a lot of spread stuff, which I think and the better teams you're going to play is going to be spread teams. So mm-hmm. if they can kind of match up with them, which you know, they matched up really well with Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech doesn't quite have um, – they have some skill guys, but not they quite They also scored three position. points in the first half, <laughs> so, which makes it harder to yeah. – Yeah, so – but it would be interesting to see how they play against SMU coming up because I think that will be a true test to, because I think if – I think the front seven is pretty good. If the back end is pretty good, then then you're in really good shape. Right. Sure, I'm kind of harped on that too um, about Mike Hampton because Mike Hampton, frankly, struggled – pretty pretty poorly against South Carolina State. He left up in some some yeah, guys he here and there. He got beat up. He got uh, out jumped for a couple balls. He yeah. His best game. And Strong kind of mentioned the fact that like, you know, sometimes, you know, KJ's going to take over the number one guy and sometimes your number two guy plays a better game than than not. And and so Strong Strong's aware of that. You know, I don't I, I think our back seven or back fours pretty set right now um i i'm hesitant on nick roberts for like the first time in my life um i saw him make some really poor i know right uh, i saw <laughs> i saw i saw really i mean for for year two progression i saw a really poor angle that he took on a uh on a post route he kind of tried to undercut trying to hope to make a interception and the uh the receiver just blew right past him and thankfully the quarterback overthrew him but that was kind of the first i mean besides the poor tackling angles that we saw him make his freshman year um i mean He's kind of the only weak spot, I think, on our secondary right now. Yeah, um, I don't think like Bentley on the outside's probably not your best bet. I think he's a little bit more comfortable as a safety or a nickel. Um, he did run a couple um, outside corner. He had a couple possessions at the outside corner. Just didn't. I don't think he felt comfortable. Um, Daquan Evans got some run at corner. Um, 
I think we'll see some mixing and matching still before we kind of move on. Um, I don't know. Somehow I've turned into the optimist of the group. Um, Welcome to the club, Nathan. I know. I don't. Uh, I mean, pose this question in Slack. It wasn't really a question, more of a statement um, just about how maybe Georgia Tech was the turnaround. Um, I, I compared it to the flea flicker. Everyone knows the flea flicker. Um, and got rebuffed, uh, but I didn't get rebuffed by people around the team um, when I posed that question who were there in 2015. Um, there's just a different feel. Charlie talked talked about it in his teleconference this week. This is a different team. And, you know, you're 0-2 and your first two possessions, you go three and out and lose 12 yards. Last year, that team probably packs it in. I, I know it's South Carolina State, but that team probably packs it in. You're owned to already. Your first two drives are terrible. You have early drops. That team last year would quit. Oh, I agree. That team last year would quit, but they would, I mean, they'd still probably be able to beat a team even by quitting, you know, just mm-hmm. on talent at I some don't, point. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I really don't. I the only think. time I've ever seen us like quit a game like that was McNeese. You know, if the talent gap is there, you should be able to eventually like overcome theoretically. Uh, I don't think it. I mean, look, I'm skeptical. I I want to be wrong. That's fine. I'm, but I got to see it. I I think we're going to know more about this team after SMU than we will after the first three games in terms of total information. We're going to learn more a week from Saturday than we have all season. And the best part is, all of the preseason goals are still right ahead of them. You know, I, I think I think everyone I think when the national championship is off the table, Steve. Well, that's that, been off that, the table that, since that was, that's, that's, that was off the table. I mean, to be to be fair, since our friends in Oviedo have moved up uh, one spot in the AP poll since the season started after. If, their well, I don't start, anybody. There's no there's if no Wisconsin had won the Big Ten and if BYU had gone undefeated except for losses to us and we had run out at 13 and 0, we would have had a case. That is off the table. I'm sorry. We are. We will not be in the college football playoff no, this year. It's impossible. In fact, even if we won the league, I don't think. I don't think this year. <laughs> I don't think anyone's doubting that. Even if we win the league, though, I think there's. If we somehow have turned it around, I still think Boise State probably gets it now, right? How do I make you lose points like in around the whole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, ding ding ding. So, Seth, you coach. You've coached in college, coached in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bye week. What are the bye week goals? For you, like, what do you set out to do um, as a team during your bye week? It, it'll it'll kind of depend on the head coach, kind of how he wants to set it up. But typically, you have time to not only get a jump start on the next opponent, and some of that is just extra preparation time. There's in practice, but also for the coaches, just kind of getting to look more and get uh, see more games. But I think it also gives you time to work on yourself a little bit more. And having it so early in the year gives you a chance to. Uh, kind of work on stuff that's giving you problems, obviously, the first three weeks. But also, it's not so late that you maybe are worried about shuffling personnel around either, um, especially in those units that maybe need a little shakeup. So you'll probably they'll probably have a good bit of work just kind of on themselves and maybe one one uh, one or two days, uh, probably a little bit lighter. So it'll be more kind of the mental stuff because they don't want to probably be hitting too much. Um, and then you'll start implementing game plan stuff too. So it's kind of a, this week's kind of a mix. Once you get in the season 
and your game week, it's a lot of time. It's just, you know, pretty much all your time is on the opponent. Uh, depending on how you structure it, some people kind of structure it so they can work on themselves a little bit. But a lot of it is kind of your opponent and um, getting ready for the game. This gives you a chance to kind of sit back, maybe slow it down a little bit. Um, I know Strong said Tuesday, Wednesdays are work days. All right, they have Monday off, Tuesday, Wednesdays. That's their full pad going fast, probably trying to get as much as they can in. Now you can kind of slow it down. Maybe they spend more time in individual period or more time in a group period um, working on, for instance, off to the line, maybe working on different fronts. Okay, this is what we were thinking our run game is going to be against SMU. Let's rep it against every single front that we've seen on film. Let's go really slow so we know exactly what we're supposed to do and show a bunch of different looks. And then you can kind of use that and kind of mix a bunch of different things like that in to kind of prepare you not only for the next game, but also what comes after. Hey, if you're, you're on staff with USF right now, uh, what's priority number one for this bye week? I think in the offensive line settled, whether, you know, and they, they know these guys a lot better than all of us because they're there at practice every day. And regardless what some people think, the coach is never going to put a player out that he thinks is worse than somebody as he's sitting. So, as much as you hear, why why isn't this guy not starting? Well, he's starting because the coach thinks he's the best player for the position, typically. Um, but I think you kind of sure get, you weren't here last year for a guy named Sterling Gilbert who put out a lot of guys that we didn't think were the best player available. Oh, I didn't say he was always correct, but he's not putting out somebody that he thinks is. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. He didn't seem very good, right? It was pretty bad. And then, and then the other thing in college is like, where do you draw the line between trying to develop younger talent and get them reps against trying to win right now? That's the other, yeah. I mean, I think it kind of depends on. You can kind of tell. It's the the toughest thing I think in any level of football is getting a true assessment of your team going into week one. Because you, I've had years where I've been like, we're going to be legit, and then we go in and you know lay an egg, and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then other years where our defense is really good, I'm like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be very good. We're not doing a lot in practice, and then we get in the first game and just roll somebody. <laughs> Now, I think the other trap for USF is their first opponent was quite, you know, physically superior to them in almost every way. So it's almost like I still, even after week one, I still am not quite sure exactly what I have. That's why I think you saw more shuffling after the Georgia Tech game than you did between Wisconsin and Georgia Tech. So I, I think it's, they're kind of got caught with having that Wisconsin game first. Obviously, if you come out and play well, you're like, okay, we're good. But playing the way they did, where I don't think they played up to their potential, and then also playing somebody so physically superior, it kind of throws your expectations out of whack. And now you got to go back. And I think the bye week coming so at this time allows them to now I got two good weeks of this. These guys were not that much better than us physically. Last week, you were the superior team. So it kind of gives you a little bit. Georgia Tech, it may have been borderline, right? It may have been. Pretty even. They may be a little bit superior talent-wise according to recruiting services. But now you have a true kind of test your team. You really know, okay, that wasn't a fluke. We got to fix some stuff up front. Like, it wasn't just because Wisconsin had three NFL guys up front. We, no, we've got to fix some things. So that's kind of, I think, where they're probably going to be at is kind of looking to make those changes on the offensive line probably. Um, I think it seems like they're going pretty young everywhere else. I mean, skill position guys are all pretty young outside of few. Mm -hmm. um, I think the young guys are kind of 
I don't know. It's hard to say. I think the young guys are happy with a young quarterback, too. Uh, after the game, Johnny Ford, when they asked him, oh, what do you think about McLeod? He's like, you all saw what I've been ta- what I've been seeing, basically. Something to that effect. So it was kind of, it felt like it may be like a, a veiled shot um, across the bow, but he was, he was obviously pretty excited about McLeod coming in. And with all those young guys there, that's kind of a – Think they're going young at skill and those guys can kind of rally together and uh most of them have any there's it's what like one year experience or less for a lot of them yeah so um, it's like what, what last year's like whatever that wasn't me that was you know the upperclassmen so yeah um especially at the skills position randall st felix that was last year was his first year playing johnny ford his first year playing demetrius harris donovan jennings brad cecil all first year playing and that perlet kid or whatever is it, was he a transfer he's right? a walk-on from like i think from like southeastern or something like that yeah, like, so the young guys are kind of like all right, whatever. We're just going to go play. Xavier Weaver, the freshman, no. has been pretty impressive. He's gotten a lot of run. Kelly Joyner. Kelly Joyner uh, came in when Kronk got hurt. Um, word on the street is Kronk's going to be all right. Uh, Charlie said he'll be available. Um, wasn't anything uh, muscle-wise or bone-wise for his injury. Um, so he should be good. It, it it seemed like it was more precautionary with the way that John or with with the way that Jordan got up and kind of jogged off. Yep. Um nothing nothing too uh crazy there. Um still don't know what's up with Trevon Sands. Um hopefully the bye week gets him healthy. Uh he wasn't dressed. He's really he's a really good special teams guy. Just don't think it'll ever click um as a running back for him, unfortunately, but he's He's there still, um, but trying to get some more depth at the running back position is going to be key. Johnny Ford got three carries um, for what, 37 yards. He had the 32-yard touchdown run. Um, that was perfectly blocked. Um, I believe it was a pull, yeah, and Atterbury sealed sealed the edge, and uh, Jennings kicked it out, and it was just – And I think, I, I think if you look at that pull, you may see why they were thinking, okay, we can – push Atterbury out to tackle because it was, you know, it wasn't, he didn't look like a big slow dude getting out there. He was a, he got there pretty quickly and in control. So that you that was kind of seeing that you're like, okay, I can see why they think he could slide outside, but he just, he wasn't comfortable there. So they pushed him back in and he did make a perfect block. The guy tried to go low and cut him. He just basically dropped on top of him and eliminated it. So uh, he did a pretty good job. Foot race. Um, you know, Blake Barnett did come in late in the game, went two for six, 24 yards, and a touchdown pass to uh, Terrence uh, Horn, who's back in action. He's had a couple – Terrence Horn's had a couple returns. Um, and a return one against Georgia Tech and actually damn near broke it and then never got kicked to again. So it's good to see him getting back into the flow. Um, I think once he gets 100%, we're going to see some special things from him. It seems like – and to, I think this is one of the Twitter questions as well that we had was why – Terrence Horn isn't returning kicks right now. He's returning kicks. They just, the way that um, Burke has the um, kick return set up, they have two deep return men, one on the left side, one on the right side. You know, they don't have the the lead block that, um, God, who was the lead block last year for Terrence Horn against? Uh, um, uh, I think it was uh, D'Angelo. And, yeah, D'Lo. D'Lo was the lead block for Terrence Horn last year against Georgia Tech. And so they just kept Horn, Horn deep and had D'Lo kind of five yards up. Now they're just putting Jacquez Evans and, and, which weird enough already. Um, Jacquez Evans and Terrence Horn both back at like the uh, five yard line. 
And if it's on the left side, it's Jacquez. If it's on the right side, it's it's Horn. And lo and behold, no one's going to kick it to the right side to Terrence Horn. Yep. Um, defensively, Andrew Mims had six tackles, tackle for loss, forced fumble. Trey Lane got some run. I mean, uh, let's see. Mims is a walk-on. Nick Roberts is, what, a redshirt sophomore, I think. And Trey Lang's a redshirt sophomore. Who's 41? Is it Bellamy? Is that his name? Damaris Bellamy. He's that, that dude he flies. going to be yeah, stuck. Three tackles, a sack, tackle for loss, and uh, QB hit. He is twitchy. He is um, fast. So one, two, three, four, five. Your top five tacklers on the night um, are redshirt sophomores or younger. Um, Put men's on scholarship. Yep. I mean, the dude, we said it last week, he was going to start in place for Patrick Macon, and he made some plays against Georgia Tech. And then he did it again. Um, getting him some run and some value um, is key. He probably needs to be put on scholarship here, here shortly. Um, but Brian Norris, uh, Zion Roland both got some runs. Yep. Yeah, Blake Green had four tackles. I How mean, many of the offensive linemen are young guys? Like All of them except for Atterbury and Norman, who are two seniors. Two seniors. They're all sophomores. Three sophomores, two seniors. Two true sophomores, one yeah. retro sophomore. Um, so... Young team. Uh, didn't think we were going to be rebooting on year three, but this could be the case. Uh, yeesh. Um, let's see. Let's moving on. Seth, you wrote a piece this week kind of breaking down the the uh, different plays from the game. Um, what, what was your favorite play? What stood out to you um, that was something that you can kind of take away from the game and uh, ex- possibly extrapolate into the future? Uh, my, my favorite stuff is uh, probably my favorite, just kind of pre-snap, my favorite thing was the, the Johnny Ford touchdown run. Because just by formation, how USF lined up, they got, they kind of knew, they kind of understood by their field position what, they, what South Carolina State was going to come out in coverage-wise to this formation. So they got it, they put three receivers out of the right, a trips open formation, and South Carolina State basically emptied the box. They covered up number two with a nickel. They kept two high safeties, I think, put them out over the three-receiver side, and then even bumped out the other inside linebacker to split the difference between the tackle and the inside receiver. So just by formation, they got themselves a 4-1 box, and how the front lined up, they were able to pull the guard to the backside for the only linebacker that was left in the block. So you literally had nobody left for the ball carrier. So just kind of schematically, I like that was one of my favorites just because just by formation, you've won the play basically just understanding how they're going to play it, you know, kind of the weaknesses in their scheme. You, you just get them information exactly what you want. Um, and the other one was the, uh, that really kind of stuck out to me. Um, just schematically, was the McLeod scramble for a touchdown run mm-hmm. against Wofford? Wofford come out in some two back sets and run some of that sh- and run some stretch with the back to the play side lead blocking, and the safety would screw down and come up from fill and run. And, and I talked about that in my piece on Friday. How there's just a huge hole behind that guy when he feels like that. So uh, on the run, they came out in a two back set. And they put Ford as the lead blocker. So Ford comes out, the safety triggers, flies down, and Ford just runs right by him, right into a bunch of space. And if the blocking would have been better up front, it would have been an easy throw 
to a guy running right down the middle of the field with nobody within like a 10 yard circle of him, just on just based on knowing that their safety is going to trigger when he sees run. Uh, and then McLeod, uh, you know, he's a guy that when you're wrong, he can make you right. So line messed up. He took off, still scored with it. But just the scheme of that play, I thought was great. Just because you can see you see if you watch him going in, this is how they play. You have something perfectly dialed up to take advantage of it. So those are kind of two that stuck out to me just because it's stuff that it, it wasn't. It, the second one ended up being a great individual play by McLeod. But if they would have had the blocking up front, it would have been just two easy manufactured touchdowns with really – not having anybody have to make an unbelievable play. It's just mm-hmm. been all done by scheme, which is the stuff that I really enjoy watching. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, reading your piece, I think that's what kind of stood out. I think you, uh, you know, pointed out uh, Ford was going to be wide open on that play and just, you know, break down. He was still able to make that uh, negative turn into a positive for a touchdown. And that's what we saw glimpses of uh, against Georgia Tech. And that's what I think we're going to see for the rest of the year. Um, I think we may have a four-year starter on our hands. Um, if he doesn't go to the NFL early, Nathan. Absolutely. That's always a possibility. I mean, Carlton Mitchell left early, so anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Darrell Scott left no, early. I was Darrell Scott left early. <laughs> any, that was any, mine. <laughs> anything is possible for sure. Um, but we could we could see a four-year starter here. I just want to also point out, uh, Colin is currently watching wrestling on his iPad during this. Uh, NXT, uh, the premiere on USA Network. It's the uh, first they've now live show, right? Yeah, first live show on. Uh, oh, you're in. You're uh, yeah, way too deep. Wait, seriously? Oh, we gotta come in. Oh, I Jesus did, Christ! I have not seen Clash. Of, <laughs> I have not watched Clash of Champions yet. I don't know. It's hard during football season to like set up enough time to watch like. Uh, Wrestling a 17 and, hour paper. Yeah. I can't do it during like it's in January. I'm going to be all in because WrestleMania is coming. So I'll be. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. podcast wrestling edition. Yeah, we're going to have to do one. Mm. Shout out to our boy, Josh Chappelle. If you have not, if you're a wrestling fan, go listen to his podcast. Smart your territory uh, on the five reasons podcast network. Um, it's very good stuff. It's very, very good stuff. Shocking that he's good at uh, radio. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so let's do some. Oh, and shout out for Josh too for having. Uh, he did Louisville, uh, Western Kentucky in Nashville on Saturday, and apparently the score bug didn't work for like twenty minutes, and the graphics were all screwed up the whole game, and it, it was like a whole, it was a whole rigmarole. But Yeesh. they pulled, they pulled through it because eminent professional that Josh is. He just he Josh carried is, his crew. Josh is the most famous person I know. You should get some you more famous friends. Really need to <laughs> branch out a little bit. Yeah, for get sure. some more famous people. Friends. Um, so we got some Twitter questions. I'm gonna uh, lead it off with this one to Colin. Um, mm-hmm. This is from Paul Michael Acosta. Okay. I know Colin loves her, but Draper's seat has to be warming with how volleyball oh God, started we're doing this, this year. Oh God. Thoughts? Um, I can't give a new. I can't give a neutral thought. I love Courtney. I love her team. I I've watched. Uh, one of their games so far this season. I watched the UF game when I was here. Um, it was on SEC Network, SEC Network Plus. Uh, they looked really good. They looked like a very, very good volleyball team for what I saw. Um, but then you're going five with Jacksonville last night, and you know they had Long Beach State on the ropes. They're up two zero, and then they lost. Uh, they lost in five. Um, I don't know, man. I, I see some talent. I really like the Saint Sin kid. She's like, I think she is right-handed, but they play her on the right side anyway. And she's six two. She's a freshman. Uh, she's from around here somewhere. She looks like she can really play. Um, I don't know if they have. I don't know how they feel about their setters yet. 
Um, but I look, man, yeah, asking me to to judge Courtney isn't fair because I, you know, I have fully admitted since we started this blog damn near 10 years ago. And we'll we'll get to the 10th anniversary thing that we're thinking about doing as well. We'll get to that as the season gets closer to over here. But um I've said since we started this blog, we can't talk. I can't talk about volleyball in a neutral fashion because I, I'm too close to it. And um, though I haven't been as much in the last year or two because of my current job, I got to find a way to win some games, I guess. And seeing like what a good volleyball team can do. I went up and watched Georgia Tech play a couple of sets um, in Atlanta last week and seeing what they have. The band is at every game. It's loud. The students are involved. The production value is really, really good. They got a huge ass scoreboard. They have replay equipment. You're allowed to have replay in the NCAA now. We haven't even bought the replay equipment. Yeah, you, know, you got to have this special stuff, and then you can challenge if you get a bad call. We don't. Even, we haven't even bought that equipment yet. Yep. Um, so volleyball was 2012 last year, and we uh, went to the, uh, the NIT of volleyball. The WNIT. Yeah. <laughs> the VNIT. Um, VNIT. And they they blew a 2-0 lead to Georgia Tech. They did. Uh, and then they did, but I can see how having been in Georgia Tech's gym, like that place gets really loud. It's gotta be a tough place to play. (laughs) And then, uh, blew a, I believe it was a 2-0 lead to, um, Long Beach state in that Gator Invitational. I stopped, actually, I stopped getting the updates because I was like, oh, they got this. And then, and, uh, then they were, they had, uh, match game point, whatever it's called match point, I guess. They're up 14, 13, didn't score again and lost 16, 14. They were up 10, they were up 10, three in that set too. That was that really, also, yeah, they're up yeah. 10, three. So 10, three and lost um, 16, 14. There, it makes, I wrote about it today in our mailbag piece. It made, makes sense that volleyball is the next team to be closely evaluated by vice president of athletics, Michael Kelly. Um, and it's probably football and then volleyball, 1A, 1B, um, depending I mean, it's easier. They did win 20 last year and get to a postseason tournament for the first time in 16 years. So let's like not ignore that either. But um, 16 years, 16 years since we've been to a postseason tournament. Yeah. Now, remember, the the volleyball NIT w- was a thing and then it went away for until I think last year was the first year. 20, they brought yeah, it back. 2017 was a lot. Uh, first yeah. Year. The first year they brought it back. So, um, yeah, they uh, they got to they gotta play better. But I really like the Saints in kid. She looks like she can play. Speaking, so. of, speaking of hot seat, on a random tangent, um, and soccer looks vastly improved and are exceeding. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lit a fire. <laughs> nice. That's what I have to do. Seriously. Um, they, uh, I mean, the, the loss to Ohio State last night was, I mean, not a not a resume destroyer by any stretch of the imagination. No, Ohio State coming all. into that game five five and one on the season. Their only loss in the season opener to, I had to look up the school because I, I they only refer to it as UINC or UNC something. And it like doesn't look familiar. It's like University of North California something. They're like a really small private college in Northridge. Really, really strange loss to have at your beginning of the season. But then I saw who they've played and they've upset like some of the other top 25 teams in the nation so far. Oh, wow. So this, I mean, Ohio State might turn out being really good, but I mean, Um, Bob Butehorn kind of turned it around very quickly. You got to give, look, man, we, we can't be... What, this is Buhorn year three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got to give guys some time. Like I, you know, Charlie year three. If if we haven't shown any improvement, okay, that's fine. But you got to give in the team sports. You got to give coaches a chance to get their players in there, to get their system in there. It took Mark. Mark Kingston went to the tournament his first year here, bricked it, and then went back to the tournament because he did it without players that were his. Well, I mean, players, to be know? fair, twenty sixteen. Uh, I think I was third Sunday starter. 
Right. Yeah, like yeah. they were just re- completely ravaged by injuries. I think they had nine guys have Tommy John that year. Um, These things take time, it, man. It yeah. happens. You got the, the fluke seasons. Um, but I think men's soccer is probably uh, righted the ship a little bit. Um, it was a striker. bit, I think, I think the shock of Kiefer just up and leaving was yeah. a bit of a jolt to the system. Who was I mean, shocked? You guys were shocked? Uh, I was, it was a press conference day for football the day it got announced. And let me tell you, brother, everyone was running with their heads cut off. They were, they had no idea what was going on. I, I was not, I mean, that guy had been outperforming what he was being paid at USF for a long time. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and his, and here's the, his and former boss sucked. So I get it. Right. And, and, and that was tough because you know, I don't, I think he felt like they needed more resources to grow the program and whatever. And this also, this applies to Denise. Look, Denise has taken this program that had never been to a tournament and made them a perennial tournament contender and has brought in players like Demi Stokes and Evelyn Vienne and has made it a, a consistently top flight team. If they fall back a year or two, she gets that right. She gets that wiggle room because the consistency over the long term of the program is going to be more important than say, oh, you know, well, you know, you finished under 500, you know, this year. That's fine. You have to having those types of coaches in place, a Kenny Erickson that's been here forever. The stability of what that program provides is more valuable for USF than like, oh, you had a bad year. You got to rip it up. And in Butehorn's case, you come into a program that's got, you know, a lot of success, but it takes a while. And, yeah. and, and I just I, I hope our fans are patient and aware enough to realize that sometimes these things are going to happen. You know, they happen to USF more than they should. But they still got to happen. And I think, uh, I mean, Ohio State didn't score until the 85th minute, and then they they scored again um, right before the game was over. USF, I think, outshot them like 14 to 6. Yeah. And Victor Claudel didn't play. And Victor Claudel, I don't know how to pronounce that in French, but he's been kind of the perennial striker that USF was kind of, I kind of hinted at it, but he's the striker that USF needed on this team. And Mm -hmm. we still outshot Ohio State on that game. Yeah. So it's uh, the the makings uh, for a good team are there. Um, men's and women's conference basketball schedules will be announced tomorrow for finally. I don't know what's taken the conference so long is the tournaments in Fort Worth this year, right? Men's tournaments in Fort Worth. Yeah. So maybe that's, they had to figure out how to maneuver all that stuff, but dear God, I'm going to have to burn all my comp points too with the women's tournament in Mohegan. It's going to be my, it's going to be our last Mohegan sun run. I think. It's possible. Yeah. I don't think we're may, going back I may have to UConn. I may have to do it that trip. Um, just because, God damn, this team's going to be fun. They're going to be so good. They're going to be so fun. <laughs> Buy your season basketball tickets now. Both teams, get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun at uh, the Yangling Center. Um, Sylvia Surratt had surgery on her knee again. Torn meniscus, uh, three surgeries in three years for her. One of these days we'll get her on the court because by all accounts, she's been pretty good, even – recovering through the injuries um so we've got houston tulane tomorrow night smu place tulane has the most fire jerseys ever oh my god those oh no they are those helmets are the cleanest things ever but more importantly smu is playing tcu Number let's 25 some, TCU. Let's do some spreads here. Uh, Tulane's uh, open three is now uh, laying five to Houston at home. We have that little faith in Derek King. Like, seriously? Like, it's Houston's schedule? I mean, I, I'm a Tulane believer, but laying five? Yeah. I don't know. UConn, um, UConn is uh, catching 27 and a half against Indiana. 
<laughs> when you're catching 27 and a half against Indiana, that should show you where you are. Former USF defensive coordinator Tom Allen. Tom Allen will beat that ass. Uh, SMU TCU open nine and a half. It is still there. On FS1 Saturday at 3.30. Um, so if you want to uh, get a head start on scouting uh, your week four opponent, week five, week five? Week Matt's f- hard. Week five. Of yeah, week five. Be week five. They've, they've figured it out. SMU. Um, Shane Buchel, who, funnily enough, was Sterling Gilbert's. He uh, ruined him. He, he ruined he loved, him. He ruined he, Shane Buchel before he, he ruined Blake Barnett Shane, before he ruined. Uh, <laughs> Sterling Gilbert loved Shane Buchel. And when Shane announced that he was transferring, uh, there was like a non-zero chance he was going to McNeese State. Um, I think like Sterling, like I asked Sterling, I was like, so like who's the best quarterback you ever coached? He coached Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and he was like, I know, Shane Buchel is pretty yeah. damn good. So we'll see. Ooh. So we're going to finish this and we're going to get, we're going to get right here. We're going to close out the podcast with something that Seth handed me. Uh, but first, um, UCF uh, open 10. Now it's, they're laying 12 at Pitt. Um, but of course they're going to win that game because they don't play anybody, including Pitt, who's pretty terrible. The game's going to be like 52 to 13 or some shit like that. And they're going to not move up in the poll. Yep. Uh, Temple catch Temple uh, laying fourteen to Buffalo. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. I think Temple still stinks. I watched that game. Uh, Maryland should have won that game. I don't know how they didn't. I'm not just saying that because I you have don't Maryland. believe in Rod Carey. I don't believe in Rod. <laughs> wow, Carey. So I do not. Um, I, so Maryland just and Anthony threw Russo. I mean, is there Anthony right? Russo is no better than anyone sitting at this table. <laughs> that kid is hot steaming garbage as a quarterback. Sorry, not sorry. I understand you're a college kid and. Whatever, but like, <laughs> but I don't care. I, I understand. You, I got like twenty five years on you, but you fucking suck. That kid does not need to be playing. I agree. Todd Centero needs to be starting for them. Just saying, terrible. Todd. Um, Wyoming at Tulsa. Uh, three. Tulsa is uh, up uh, favored by three and a half. Really? Uh, that'll be a good game. Wyoming uh, beat Missouri. Check that, check that out. And then ECU opened nine and a half and is now at twelve against William and Mary. That means people are betting on East Carolina University. It's a whole new era. Oof. No more Scotty Montgomery. But we will finish the podcast with this. I'm excited uh, for this. Our friend, uh, Mr. Varnador here, has a little thing that I'm going to show Nate. And it's called a game management tip sheet. Seth, is this what you had when you were a high school football coach? That's and, what I had when I was like, year? college coach in the box. College coach in the box. So that's right, because you were the accountant for the college team. And so they figured they would keep yeah, keeping track of the I was the only math. accountant on staff, so they gave me the number assignment. So here, God what, bless you. <laughs> so it says that when you are five points behind on the two-point chart, what should you do? Should you go for one? or go Because it's got the little X next to the two there, but Nate says you should only go for one there. But the little X on the box says you should go for two. Go for two. The chart never lies. The chart never oh, lies. So, but um, it looks like we're not taking into account um, everything. time left in the game. But, but in the fourth quarter? Yeah, okay. Because that makes it, that's helping your argument when it's in the fourth quarter of a low-scoring game. you got to take in the outside factors, Colin. Outside factors. Like momentum? Like big we we already big discussed this, Colin. I know, but it's, I, uh, it's so funny to pile on. Let's see. Anything else that we really need to touch on? I don't think that – I think we're good. Um, so be sure uh, for tomorrow we're going to – I swear to God, we're going to try this. If it doesn't work <laughs> out, blame Colin. Um even well, though he'll have nothing to do wrong. with it. Yeah, because Nathan is never wrong. This definitely was not all my idea. Absolutely not. I did not come up with this whatsoever. Definitely not my idea. All Colin, if it doesn't work out. But if it does, it was on me. Um, 
So be on the lookout for that. Um, again, you know, four-star hotels at two-star prices. Uh, Colin. Thanks, Ed. Matrix Hormones, uh, 813-333-2226. Three field goals, three safeties, one touchdown, no PAT. Um, again, Matrix Hormones, um, for when you need a little boost in your life, for both men and women, um, they can get your levels tested for everything else to make sure that you're feeling like yourself. Every every client is different. Every client has different needs. Um, it can be shots, creams, pills, pellets, whatever it is, but they're going to find the right combination because they're going to work with you specifically and yourself to make sure that you get what you need um, to get feeling a little bit younger and a little bit healthier. Lose weight, feel great. I might have, I might just have to do this myself, and uh, I haven't done it yet, but I might have to go in there and get my levels tested and see if I can... Uh, Start to lose weight and feel great over there at Matrix Hormones here pretty soon. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Bluminati podcast. Again, tomorrow night, we're going to try this film room thing. We don't even have a title for it, though. Though, if you want to sponsor it, feel free. Uh, Hotwire.com or anybody else who wants to come along and sponsor this thing, we'll do it. Um, but we're going to try and go through play-by-play with Seth, um, ask some questions. I, I sat behind Seth in the press box on um, Saturday, and um, but I was sitting next to Torello. <laughs> which uh definitely he's fantastic he's so funny he's, in the box. he's um you guys don't want to, like he was on the pod he was funny that like getting if you ever talk to him he is one of the funniest guys in the world um he's he he knows he knows what he's doing oh, he's he so aware he, of everything he's, he's self-aware very aware as um, long as you're self-aware you can be the child as long as you're self-aware this is not a skip bayless situation where he thinks he's like you know being serious about all this crap like no, he, he he knows what's up. He knows exactly what he's doing. All right. Uh, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.